This episode of the Alley on the Run show is brought to you by Aftershocks. Welcome to the Alley on the Run show. I'm your host, Allie Feller, and today I'm talking to Women's Health Editor-in-Chief, Liz Plosser. As a fellow writer and editor, I've followed Liz's career for years. She's a brilliant writer, reporter, and editor, and she's worked at all the major women's magazines and brands, from Self and Cosmopolitan to SoulCycle and Canyon Ranch. I was fortunate to get to work with Liz last year at Well and Good and was absolutely thrilled when she landed the Women's Health Editor-in-Chief job earlier this year. Of course, working in publishing is no easy feat right now, so Liz and I dove right into what some of the biggest perks of the jobs are, like hello, celebrity cover shoots, as well as the biggest challenges. Liz also offers up a ton of great career advice throughout the episode, so get ready to take some notes. And of course, Liz, who's a mom of three, is also a runner. She often run commutes to her office from Brooklyn all the way into Manhattan, just a casual eight mile run commute in the morning. And she's running the Brooklyn Half Marathon next weekend. Sound good? Let's dive right in. Liz. Allie. Yay. Welcome to the Allie on the Run show. Thank you. I am so happy to be here and to be talking to you. I'm honored to be here in your fancy office <sighs> with your big view. So before we get into all the good stuff, we start with a warm up, just like a run in theory. Love it. So tell us who you are, where you're from, and what you do. My name is Liz Plosser. I grew up in Kansas City, Missouri, where my parents still live. And I moved to New York after college. And I didn't always work in magazines, which we might get into later, but I loved New York and was here for about five years and then left and moved to Chicago with my husband. We weren't married yet, but we were engaged. Um, he got into graduate school at the University of Chicago, so we did a whole life switcheroo. And while I was there, I worked at the weekly magazine, Time Out Chicago, uh, which was such a fun job. And then we did this really weird thing, which I think makes us unicorns. We came back to New York after living in a different city. Um, we had children in Chicago, that's where my twins were born, and then we came back to New York to make it work. So today, I mean, I've had various jobs in media, but today um, I am the editor-in-chief of Women's Health Magazine. How good does that feel to say yeah. that? You're the editor-in-chief of one of the biggest women's health and fitness brands yeah. and publications. So I know you said you didn't get your start in media, so let's talk about that. Was was being the editor-in-chief of a women's magazine, was that young Liz's dream? You know, I have loved magazines since I was a kid. I, I obsessively would buy them. I would save my allowance and read them. Um, I remember reading Seventeen and Cosmo and, you know, as various transitions happened in my life, like when I got engaged, I spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars on the wedding magazines. Like, I just, I love magazines. And actually, when I was really little, my older brother and I, um, our family would travel to this farmhouse that we had in Kansas. You know, like people in New York have beach houses in the Hamptons. We had a, a farmhouse. A farmhouse. Yes. <laughs> it's really beautiful and relaxing there. Anyway, we started a newspaper called The Daily Farm. And Josh, my brother, was, quote, the editor, and I was his writer. Um, but, I mean, let's be real, I was really... I was gonna say, yeah. when did you take yeah, that there over were, it, Pretty quickly it became obvious that like I was, running, I was running that ship. He and I would work on that every time we took little you know, weekend trips or we would stay there for sometimes a week or two at a time in the summer. So I think this has been in my DNA forever, but I know this sounds funny, I never really like 
imagined it could be a real job. It just seemed like this fantasy thing that I don't know how people did it, but that just, you know, I was going to do something, I don't know, more like secure. And so my first job out of college was as an investment banking analyst. So slightly different than publishing. Totally different than publishing. It became clear very quickly to me that this was not like my life's passion. Um, I mean, I worked really hard at it and I made good friends there, but I just, it didn't make me want to like jump out of bed in the morning. And was that here in New York? That was in New York. So yeah. you moved to New York and started right out in finance. Started right out in finance, exactly. Um, but I think the magical thing about that job is that it, I, I so viscerally didn't enjoy it that it really made me like do some deep soul searching about what I wanted to do with myself and my life. Um, and it actually sort of spurred me to join a running club. I felt a little lost in New York between the job and just living in this big city. And I started training for my first marathon. What do you do when you don't like your job? Just sign up for a marathon. Oh, anything. Like, what do you do when you go through a breakup? What do you do? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Marathons. I think this like, is a runner thing, but. Yes. Who started training for a marathon because their life was good at the time? Totally. No, it's like no. you're out and you're released and you're. That's exactly yeah. what it was. Yeah. My friends thought I was crazy. Like, is this really like the right? You know, and my hours were insane as an analyst. I was working all the time, like 80 hour weeks. But anyway, so I joined um, team and training and met this super awesome eclectic group of runners, one of which is still one of my very best friends. And over the miles, we would talk about our lives and our careers. And, you know, we were all different ages. And I remember one day, and I actually, I wrote about this in my very first editor's letter, um, in my first issue of Women's Health. I had a dream that I was a fitness editor at a magazine. Like um, an actual dream. Literally, I dreamt this in my sleep the night before meeting everybody in the park for our long run. It was like a 10-mile run. And I shared the dream with them, and it was like saying it out loud made me be like, why can't I try to get into magazines? I'm young, like I could try. So I started just talking with anybody under the sun who worked in magazines or knew somebody in magazines to find out like, is this something that I would could potentially click with? Long story short, or long story long, I um, was out with friends one night and I remember one of my girlfriends had her cousin there. It was like we were at a bar and he asked what I did and I told the story what I did but that I'm really like actually interested in making a career switch and he was like you should talk to my cousin. She's the editor-in-chief of Self Magazine and this is you know at midnight in a bar and I'm like this guy's never gonna actually make good on this but like ah and so he did. He sent an email the next day connecting me to Lucy Danziger, who was the editor-in-chief of Self Magazine. Um, and Lucy is an amazing human being. She agreed to meet with me. It was like she had 10 minutes for coffee like six weeks down the road. She never canceled the meeting. Like it still was on the calendar. And I showed up in my like little banker suit, you know, to speak to her. And that was the beginning. They actually, like my stars aligned. The um, assistant in the fitness department was leaving for she was making a life change and like going to a different city so they had an opening and so I did the edit test and all of that and I got the job so when you went to where did you go to college I went to Princeton okay and did you take any journalism classes um I was an English major oh, okay. so, so you had that loved writing okay. and literature and all of that um, but no I didn't so they took a chance on you they totally took a chance on me 
she took a chance on this little investment banker person. How cool, and how fast did that happen when you met with her? And did she say at that meeting, she was like, oh, we actually have an opening right now? She mentioned it, yeah. She said that this other um, staffer had just resigned like a day or two days before we were having this conversation that she would send me the edit test immediately and I had X amount of time to do it and I got the job offer like, you know, a week later, like within a couple of days of submitting my test. And was there any question in your mind of whether or not to take the job? There was no question in my mind, but it was a, a tough pill to swallow just like the drastic pay cut I was going to be taking, you know. Publishing. <laughs> publishing. Yeah. Publishing versus finance. And like I was doing fine in finance. The team seemed to be like my work was good. You know, I had a good rapport with the MD who ran our group. I don't know. Like I see it as this life thing. Like I could have leaned into that and just been like, maybe this isn't my life's passion, but it's going well. And I'm, you know, the salary is great. And so there was definitely a little bit of a fork in the road. Um, and I remember talking to Matt, my husband, about it. We've been together like forever, literally since college. And he is, he's an economist, so he sees these things, you know, like he's so analytical. And he really saw it as like an investment in my happiness. And like, yeah, you're gonna start on the very bottom rung, but if you love it and are really good at it, it's gonna pay off so much bigger than staying on this track that doesn't make you excited. And how old were you at the time? Um, I was, let's see, 24 at the time. Okay. Yeah. And were you married already? No. Oh, okay. No. But you, were, you guys were together. You were here in New York. We were together. Okay. We were each living with our own, like our best friends from college and stuff. Oh, you weren't apartments. living together no, yet? No, we weren't living together okay. yet. We weren't engaged yet. None of that. Well, I feel like there's such, I mean, there's a million good lessons there, but this comes up a lot on this show, actually, where we talk about kind of being fine. Things are good. Things are good enough. Yep. Why make a change? But then you obviously made this change, and now you're the editor-in-chief of yeah. Women's Health. So you were at, you started out at Self, and was there a learning curve? Did you fit in right away? Kind of how was that transition out of finance and into the great world of publishing? Yeah, I mean, I had so much to learn. Um, I'd never done like one of the ASME internships or all the other things that so many of these superstar junior editors do these days. But I could tell like instantly, like, oh, I love this. Like, I just knew this was the this was such a good decision. Yeah, I just felt happy every day at work and excited and yeah, I had so much to learn as you do, you know, in your first your first year in a job like that. But um, I think what's also interesting is like all the stuff I was doing in banking, I mean down to like making Excel sheets and like making a really kick ass PowerPoint, it oddly is helpful still in my career. And it's like these strange skills that I learned very early that I don't know. I think it so I don't I don't regret that I didn't like come out of the gates of college and find magazines right off out of the bat, you know? Yeah. So you've since worked at like every fitness brand and publication. So can you kind of just walk me through your career history from being a a young chicken at you're still a young chicken. Yeah, I, I should a, say. I was a real but like a chicken. baby chicken at, <laughs> at self to becoming an editor in chief. Where where all did you bounce around in between? Yes. Okay. So I was I started in the fitness department itself, kind of climbed the ranks um, to I think when I left I was the associate editor of the health and nutrition departments, and then we decided to move to Chicago, 
actually, side note, that that was a very painful decision for me because as it was happening, as we were, Matt got into his dream school at the University of Chicago, we were engaged, we were so excited. Um, out of the blue, Women's Health reached out about um, a senior fitness editor job opening, which was like, you know, Huge three promotion. jumps up the ladder or whatever. That at that time in my life was completely my dream job. I loved that magazine. I knew exactly what I wanted to do there. And I had to, and I got the job offer and I had to say no to it because we, you know, I was not ready to like marry, marry my soulmate and then live in two different cities. Um, I like couldn't walk by the newsstand and see women's health for two years without feeling like a little pang. I know. Oh. I know. I mean, obviously, it worked out. So we it know worked out. I know Matt. When I got <laughs> when I got this job offer, Matt was just like, oh, it's finally, it's finally resolved. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have to feel guilty. So the wound has healed. Was that hard on your marriage, though? Was that a hard decision, or was it to you? Was it a no-brainer to to go with his dream at the time? It wasn't. I mean, just professionally, I obviously had. I felt sad about not having this opportunity, but we. We had decided on Chicago before this interview came out of the air, you know? It's probably why I was so good in the interviews because I was like, there is a 0% chance this is going to happen. Do you know what I mean? It yeah. kind of like gives you some Nothing to lose, right? Confidence, right. And then I, um, it, it worked out quickly in Chicago. I was like, okay, well, I'll just be a freelancer. Um, that'll be fun and exciting, and I'll hopefully be able to write for all these brands I admire. Hopefully I can write for whoever they choose to be. The fitness editor there, um, and then I found out about an opening at Time Out Chicago. Like through my little network, I had made contact with an editor there, and um, this is the coolest job title ever. The chill out editor was leaving; she was moving to Miami, um, having another her life change, and so they were looking for somebody. The chill out editor oversaw fitness, spas, beauty, health, nutrition, all the stuff I loved. And so I got that job and that I like interviewed for it, did my edit test, all of that while I was still in New York. So, I mean, I very quickly was like, I have such a cool job. I'm going to meet all these new people. I'm going to learn my way around Chicago, like doing all this fun stuff. So even though it was a bit of a wound, like, you know, saying no to a dream job, I got like a very different but awesome job. And what better way to learn a new city than working for Time Out, I which know. is like the Bible of any city you're in. So Ex Exactly. I need the title, I need to be the chill out editor of my life. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> that I need to somehow apply to like my everyday life. I agree, I agree. It's, um, <laughs> it is the best job title I will ever hold. Uh -huh. So how long were you in Chicago? We were there for almost six years. Oh, long time. Yeah. Okay, so what brought you back to New York? And were you at Time Out the whole time? I was at Time Out the entire time. That's amazing. Yeah. I kind of was like climbing the ranks there. I started as chill out editor. I was promoted to senior editor. Were you like, can I keep the chill out I title? I'll do the other responsibilities. It will forever be on my resume. <laughs> and then for the last couple of years, I was the managing editor. So I was still top editing all of the lifestyle content, but it was really, um, you know, making sure people were meeting their deadlines and working with the printer to, you know, deal with page counts and all that fun stuff. Yeah, the person I'm scared of yes. is always the managing yes. editor. Until I get to actually, send my invoice, yes. then I love Managing them. editors <laughs> love me because I was one once, so you know what I mean? Oh, I yeah. have such respect for deadlines and the process. Um, and I'm the one who likes to like push that a little bit, so yeah. yay, yeah. go team. It's okay. <laughs> um, 
So we came back to New York because um, when Matt went on the job market, we kind of thought he would be a professor at a university. Um, he basically what happens is it's kind of like matching for med school students when they you know go off into the market like which hospital needs which specialties and it's just like a matching situation and so he applied all over the country and even some international places and then like interviewed everywhere under the sun so he would go interview in Vancouver and like for two days I'd be googling Vancouver and like imagining what our lives were gonna be like there and I remember his mentor at the University of Chicago really wanted him to interview at the New York Federal Reserve Bank. Um, he just like had a good contact there and thought it would be good for Matt to meet that team. And I was like, do you really have to? We're never going to move back to New York, you know? Did you not want to come back to New York? No, or was we it didn't like... want to come back to New oh. York. We were. I think you just get so um, you get used to the that Midwest quality of living, the space, you know? Everyone's so nice. Everyone's so nice. So, yeah, New York, and we'd had our twins, Charlie and Lucy, in Chicago, so they were about a year old when Matt was on the job market. Anyway, he flew to New York and had, like, of course, the best meetings ever. He just clicked with the team, um, loved them, really saw it as a place he could continue his research and learn a lot. Um, and so he came home from that interview and was like, I just have to tell you how amazing it was. We're going back to New York, honey. And he was just like, how, like, what do you think? How are you feeling about this? And I very quickly, I mean, it took like a dinner and then a night of sleep. I was sort of like, this is the one city where I can, I can continue my career. Like, I love going into an office and working with people and collaborating. If we wind up in like, Nashville or Vancouver. I mean, I don't know what the media opportunities are there, but I was pretty sure I would be a freelancer. Not that that's a bad path, but I do love being in offices and part of the big team, you know? So I got on board and we came back to New York. With kids in tow. With kids in tow, with 15 months so old So a little kids. different than the last time you a were in New different. York. A little different, yeah. And I worked at Canyon Ranch, the spa wellness brand, for a little bit. Is that here? Isn't so they don't no. have a location here. That would be great. Right. That would be great. I would love that. Um, <laughs> they were building out some editorial content. Okay. Um, and so there was a team of four of us remote editors. I was covering health and fitness. And it was basically leveraging their experts to create content. Um, so I did that for a bit. And I thought it was going to be the best because I would, like, the kids would have a babysitter during the day. But I could, like, go do yoga in the middle of the day or take one of them to music class, which doesn't really happen I think the the way I built it up in my head was a little different from the reality of it and what ended up happening is um, Joanna Coles who's the chief content officer at Hearst was brought over from Marie Claire where she was editor-in-chief to be the new editor-in-chief of Cosmo and she had this amazing and amazingly successful vision for reimagining it as sort of this empowered brand that wasn't just about sex but was also about health and money and politics and all the other things that a woman thinks about in addition to sex and lipstick and great fashion. <laughs> and so I was brought on um, to build out the new health and fitness section. So it was like a dream job. It felt like you were working at a startup, but you're working at like the biggest women's brand ever. So I did, I worked with Joanna. It was an amazing time, like glory days of my career. We won our first national magazine award for a health package we did. It was just like so exciting and just felt so nurtured and empowered by these women. I think that's been a 
common thread in my career is just these amazing women like pushing me and like believing that I was up for things before I really felt ready, you mm -hmm. know? Um, anyway, so then there was another shuffle in magazine land um, and Lucy Danziger left self and Joyce Chang, who was the executive editor of Cosmo at the time, was appointed editor-in-chief. Um, and Joyce and I go way back, actually. Not only did I work with her at Cosmo, but we went to college together. So we've known each other for a long time. Um, and she eventually pulled me away, and I went over to Self to be the fitness director, um, which was hilarious because at the time I was 20 weeks pregnant. But I will always just kind of have the softest spot for Joyce and for Condé Nast for saying, yeah, we're going to hire you at 20 weeks pregnant because we see the long game with you. That's yeah. awesome. And I have to say, it's making my heart so happy that you have all these wonderful stories of women empowering you, of you empowering other women, and just a general sense of camaraderie. And I'm curious because I feel like the publishing industry gets a bit of a bad rep. I mean, look at The Devil Wears Prada. Right. Obviously, it's a movie, slightly embellished, but... You know, I think people look at publishing as very catty, cutthroat, especially the women's dominated magazines. Do you see much of that or have you, having bounced around to a lot of different brands? Um, I think I think that's a great question. I think when you put a lot of mostly women in one place together, like there, that kind of thing can happen. Um, I think I've been really lucky and it's maybe partially the way I like to work. I like no drama. I'm like, just no drama. Let's all just put our heads down, work really hard, have fun together, and then go home and like live our lives. So um, I think I've been attracted to leaders like Joanna, like Joyce, who feel the same way. And I think they really set the tone for their teams. And hopefully that's what I'm doing for my team too, because I don't know, there's enough bad toxic things happening in this world, you yeah. know, we don't need to create more of it while we're at work. You know? Yeah, agree. Yeah. So you eventually, you so you're at Self. You eventually, you were at Soul Cycle for a little while. You were at Well and Good, which we got to work together yes. for like a couple weeks before I was on my deathbed and needed right. to take a step back, which was sad. So tell me, kind of, what point you were at when you got the call saying, "Hey, we want you to be editor in chief of Women's Health." Yeah, so, right, I left Self to go to SoulCycle. I worked on the brand side, which was another dream job as a SoulCycle super fan. Just so much fun. And then went over to Well and Good to do the digital strategy side, um, and that was so fun when we got to work together. I knew your name really well, but it was, I remember, like, when we first started talking on the phone and working all you the... You called me because yeah. I was so sick, and you and I was like, oh, my God, she's so nice. <laughs> and I was like, I'm so sorry. This is not the best time. I, like, so desperately wanted to just, like, soak up everything from you, but I was like, I need to die yeah. for a little while and then come back. No, you were very right to take care of your health. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it worked. Good. It so, sure did. Yay. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I was not looking for anything. You know, I was really happy at Well and Good, learning a lot there and really gelling nicely with the team. Such a smart, cool team, awesome women. Um, and then I'd heard about how Hearst was buying Rodale. I guess that, that happened like November of last year. And then um, it was like mid-December when Hearst called me to say, would you be interested in talking to us about this opportunity? You know, I had to sign an NDA and everything. It was very secret. Um, and I kind of, I was just like in a state of shock. Like one, that they would consider me. Two, that I was so 
like overwhelmingly excited about it to about a print job you know like I'd successfully pivoted away from print I was out of print so I think that surprised me that I was like yeah I, I do want to talk about that job so yeah that's we started our conversations around there it went really fast um, they were ready to make a transition quickly and they I got the the phone call where they offered me the position I think it was January 3rd yeah it was January 3rd and I literally I cried tears of joy I was my heart was just like beating out of my chest and I just couldn't believe it it really is a dream come true all right so looking back on your time at the different brands what is it to you that makes you love because women's health came came to you early on yeah as you said now you're back there what is it about women's health that's so special you know I think it's a magazine it's a brand for women who wherever they are on their wellness journey on that spectrum they're there's a piece of them that's ready to make an active positive change in their life. And to be able to be the people that are creating content that helps them take that action and have those breakthrough moments where wellness can just change everything else in their life and have a positive impact on so many other spheres of their life. It's just like such an honor. It's an amazing, it's an amazing thing to be able to do. I feel like helping people live happier, healthier lives, helping women find something that just lights them up. It's, I don't know, it gets me really excited all day, every day. So were you nervous at all about stepping into this role? Of course. <laughs> what were you nervous about <laughs> and why? Well, it's a big job at a big brand. And like, you know, I want to do it right and give the readers and super fans and readers to be like just the best, best, best content possible. So I think it's sort of self-inflicted pressure that like this, this is nothing to be phoned in. Like we have to be operating at 110% at all times, whether that's the story ideas we're choosing, the art we're selecting, the words we're writing, you know, it just, I, I feel a tremendous amount of responsibility to just like knock it out of the park on every single page. All right, so you mentioned the words we're writing. I remember a couple years ago, Women's Health was obviously in the news itself for banning, was it, they banned Bikini Body yes. as a cover line. Is that still true? Yes. Okay, so tell me what else, what other kind of either phrases, stories, topics, what to you is like a no-go? Good question. I think, I think where, what you started talking about is how Amy Keller Laird, who's a super talented editor, she's the editor before me, um, she really put a stake in the ground around the bikini body cover lines, and I'm completely in support of that. I think what's interesting is that there's a bit of a tension in that when women are coming to our brand, sometimes they might want to lose five pounds, you know? And I think something I've been talking to my team about a lot is this idea that, like, you can be a feminist and an empowered, super smart woman, but also, like, want to feel good in your jeans. Um, and so I think that's the challenge and opportunity for us is sort of modernize how we talk about that um, and not shy away from it, um, but also recognize that this is, it's like a charged topic, you know? So mm -hmm. I just, I want us to be really thoughtful in how we're talking about it. And so one thing that 
we started doing, you'll see more of this, the July-August issue is really when you'll see like the new architecture of the magazine and sort of I'll have worked on it from start to finish. Um, but even inching toward those that issue, we've been making changes like I um, cut the weight loss page in the magazine. Um, the food section used to be called food and weight, which to me hmm. was like sort of a, um, I don't know, I would like weight loss or calories or energy, all that stuff is gonna organically come up, like literally in every content pillar, but I don't think we need to shine a spotlight on it in that way, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, and they're I think very independent of each they're other. They're very independent of yep. each other, exactly. So that section uh, we renamed Food and Nutrition. Love it. Yeah. And why did you cut the weight loss page? For the same reason. I just, yeah, I, I think if you're interested in losing a few pounds, you're going to get lots of tips and ideas for that throughout the magazine. But there, it's more of a holistic, healthy part of living your life, uh, whether it's how to amp up your workouts or some tips you might not have, like cooking tips, things like that, that should just be part of your natural read. It shouldn't be like segregated to one mm -hmm. page where we like shine a giant spotlight on right. it, you know? Yeah. So there are still, you know, the publishing industry has been a little crazy over the past couple of years. There are still plenty of women's magazines. Women's Health, Self still exists online, Shape, of course, in print and online. There's still a handful of them that are doing well. What are you doing to make Women's Health different? Good, a big good question. Thank you. When yes. another, when a fellow editor or journalist tells me I have a good question, I'm like, my work here's You're done. Like, mic drop. I would do a mic drop if it wouldn't break my equipment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, gosh. Well, I think it's just really important we pick the topics that are super urgent for readers to know about, and I think it's really important to do more sexual and reproductive health content in this brand. Um, there's been some of it, but I, it's sort of a passion of mine, and I think women need more information about that. I think another way we, can, we will stand out is just in our awesome writing and reporting. We're like all about science-backed. It's not superficial reporting. Um, it's super robust. We have like a crazy awesome research team that like really puts every piece of, through the ringer. And you'll see starting in July, August, we're gonna have a beautiful redesign. Um, that just feels really modern and happy and cool. Um, I like to talk about that feeling you have when you finish a run and you're just like, yeah, you can like take on the world. You're like tired but exhilarated. I want that spirit and energy of like anything is possible now to be infused in the magazine, whether it's through the visuals or the story choices we've made. Um, so I think we have a we definitely have an opportunity to step up and do that let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor okay i need to tell you about aftershocks if you've followed me for a while now you know i have faced an eight year struggle when it comes to finding the perfect running headphones my ears are too tiny for earbuds cords drive me crazy and i hate when i spend money on headphones only to have them immediately ruined by all that sweat but I am thrilled to announce that my struggle has come to an end thanks to Aftershocks. I started using the Trex Air headphones a few months ago and I am not exaggerating, they are perfect. 
they're wireless. And now that I'm running in wireless headphones, I don't understand why I ever didn't run in wireless headphones. They're super comfortable. I barely even notice I'm wearing them when I run. They're also sweat and weather resistant, which is good because I am a heavy sweater. A single charge keeps them going for six hours. And my favorite feature is that they don't actually go in your ears. They rest right in front of them. So you can hear your music or the Alley on the Run show perfectly, but you're still fully aware of your surroundings. Basically, you can tune in without tuning out. These headphones have been absolutely game-changing for me, and I want you to try them out. Go to ontherun.aftershocks.com, that's aftershocks with a Z, for $30 off all Aftershocks wireless models. Now let's get back to the show. Who are some of your, whether they've been on the cover or not, who are your dream women's health cover stars? That's a good question. We just put Katie Holmes on the cover. I think it's, I love it because she's wearing a tank top and she, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Um, she's wearing a tank top, a white tank top and like Levi's jeans and I'm like, that is the outfit I wanna be in every single weekend. That, that cover did really well for us, so that was great. Um, she's not like overstyled, she doesn't have on too much makeup. I think it's just like aspirational all-American girl. I, I love women also, I mean, I'm thinking mostly celebrities, but I'm also thinking about athletes, like all sorts of different women. Um, who really will talk about health and wellness in their lives. I don't want a story to be about, yeah, I eat whatever I want, I have donuts all the time, and I, I just chase my kids, that's my workout. You know, I, I would prefer to hear a woman be like, I work for it. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, it's hard, you know? And to really share the struggles and challenges and like accomplishments that come with a healthy lifestyle. And how involved are you with, are, do you go to the cover shoots? I have not so far. When they're in New York, I will go. Uh, often we shoot celebrities in LA, so those, yeah, tend to not go to those. Yeah, I feel like that's a good perk. Yeah. That's a fun one. Just yeah, yeah. kind of spend the day watching, hanging out. Exactly. Um, okay, what are, what types of stories get you most excited? Hmm, I think two things probably. One is creative storytelling devices, whether that's, in design or in just the formatting of the story. I, I think when a piece is elevated by the design and the structure, it is a more impactful, powerful story. So I get very excited, whether it's in my magazine or when I'm reading anybody else's magazine, to see how those design geniuses have worked with the editor geniuses to just raise the game by their collaboration. And then I get really excited when news is broken. And I know that's like a tougher thing to do in print. It's much easier in digital. But I love it when you learn about something that you're like, I cannot wait to go home and tell my husband about that or I'm totally dropping that piece of knowledge at the cocktail party I'm going to on Saturday night. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned, you said something like whether it's in our own or reading other magazines. And that kind of stands out to me because one thing as a freelancer, I still get invited to lots of different press events, you know, whether it's like Reebok's new spring line or whatever. Um, and I go to some of them because a lot of them don't necessarily apply to something I'm working on. But one thing I notice is you go to these events and it's always the same group of women because right. it's all the fitness editors. And I think it's interesting that all these editors are there representing their different publications. They're all covering the same thing, but in a different way, but they're all friends. Yeah. So I'm curious, as someone who has, you know, been around that for a long time, sort of how do you see that dynamic? Because it surprised me. I was like, yeah. you're competitors, but like, you're all friends. So how do you see that sort of relationship among the actual women? 
Yeah, I think you've observed something that is so cool about, I, I don't know if it was always like this, but definitely in our little wellness editor bubble, um, people really care about each other, despite the that we're working for competing brands. On Sunday night, I ran the Nike 5K, the Nike Go race, and it was, um, you know, Roz from Health Magazine mm -hmm. and Meg from Gear Patrol and um, Molly from Runner's World and a whole bunch of other all female editors. editors. <laughs> yeah, all our editors. And we were like taking selfies together, posting them on Instagram, tagging each other. And you see that even through social media. There's like competitors are high-fiving one another for, you know, everything. I think it's a magical, awesome thing that we're totally supporting each other and the friendships are real. It's, I think it's really cool. I'm really proud of this group of women that we're not tearing each other down and like stomping on each other to get ahead of each other. It doesn't feel like that at all. And I wonder how much of that is because we're athletes and because we're runners and because we care so much about wellness. Because I have to imagine, and I've not done it, so like I said, I'm imagining. Like, does that camaraderie exist at Fashion Week? No. Yeah. yeah. All right. Maybe there's a story there. Yeah. Maybe we report on that. Yeah. Um, okay. So we talked about your dream cover star. What types of stories will you not publish? I know we talked a little bit about some of the weight loss stuff, but is there anything that comes to mind or anything that you've published or a magazine you've been with in your whole career that just didn't go over well? Not necessarily with your byline, but like right. anything that wasn't well received. The internet lets you know so fast. Yeah. So when I was leaving Self, I did not complete this project because of the timing for my new job at SoulCycle. We were just wrapping up um, our September challenge. And I, I just remember seeing later that we got eaten alive because the calorie counts, people didn't feel like they were high enough. And it was like really hard, even though I didn't work at Self anymore and I specifically wasn't working on the calorie or the, the food portion of it. Um, it's a reminder that like the world will let you know if they think you're yeah making a mistake yeah. um and of course the plan had been vetted by nutritionists and it was wrapped up as like you know if you wanted to lose a couple pounds so like that was the point of it and it was super healthy and nutritious but it also like the people spoke and let us know how they felt about it so i do think yeah it's something to be like really careful and sensitive about um you definitely want to get that per rate and now that you're at Women's Health, I know you said it's it's a print job. Are you involved with the website at all? Do you oversee parts of womenshealthmag.com? Um, so no, our digital director, Robin, um, has a different reporting structure. Um, she reports to Kate Lewis and Troy Young um, on the digital side. But the great thing is Robin and I are total collaborators, sharing a brain. We meet regularly, we email every day. Um, you know, <laughs> It's interesting having just worked at a website to not have my hand in it like I used to, and yet at the same time, this job, this print job is already so big, I sort of am in awe of editors who do oversee both. And because there's such different things, it's like the digital world is like running these 100 meter dashes all day. <laughs> the print world is like this marathon. Marathons. Or, um, <laughs> Yeah, ultra marathon. Yeah. <laughs> it really is like an ultra marathon. And so those are two really different skill sets and you know the tools and the things you need to be awesome at both of them are different. Um, so I think I think it works for us. I do 
think it's important for Robin and I to be on the same page and you know she can help elevate the print content anything we can do in print to help engage readers and elevate what she's doing on the site and with our social channels we're like we're here to you know stronger together as Hillary Clinton would say I love it looking back on your career thus far what are you proudest of I had something I was gonna say but I'm I'm changing it okay, okay. you can say both you can, say, you can be proud of more than one thing Okay, so the first thing I was gonna say and change is that um, when I was at Cosmo with Sarah and Joyce and under Joanna, um, we won the magazine's first ever National Magazine Award for- What was the magazine's first ever, not first just ever. in the health and fitness section? No, first ever uh, wow. for the brand, and it was a package called How Not To Get Pregnant, which is funny given, mm-hmm. yes. I have read that, I guess. <laughs> and it was totally a career highlight. I. I loved working on that package. I was so proud of it. We collaborated so well with all the different, I mean, so many people were involved in making it successful. And it was, it just felt like amazing to work so hard and to feel really good about something and then it was recognized. And I know, you know, readers don't know about these awards. It doesn't, it's really for other editors. You know, they matter more to us. Um, So that was a big one. And then, what I was going to change and say is that I'm proud that I've gotten where I have in my career while being what I think is like a nice, kind person. Um, you brought up the Devil Wears Prada before. I think the world thinks that's what you have to be like to be a woman at the top. And I'm really proud that I'm not that type of person, but I still have a job like this. And everyone loves you. Do you know that everyone <laughs> loves you? Everyone that I talk to loves you. You have such a good reputation in the industry. You're literally you making so me tear up. Okay, Thank sorry. You for saying that. Sorry, but I could go on if you yeah. want. I can. I can keep the compliments coming. I really I'm very good at that. that. <laughs> but no, you are very loved and very respected, and and it is such a pleasure to work work with you and learn from you. And so yeah, Thanks, we're lucky Sally. to have you. Thank you. Okay, so in general, looking at women's health, what type of stories perform best? What gets the best response from readers? Um, I think what I have noticed and what we're going to be doing more of is a lot of the mental health stories really resonate with our readers. Um, Stories about anxiety, sleep, um, different mood disorders. Uh, So we're definitely amping up our content in those areas. Oh, I love that. I'm, I love reading that stuff. What is it about your day? Like when you're leaving to come to the office, what are you most excited about? Just like editing stories and playing with the words. I think when I was on the digital side and the brand side, everything moves so quickly, which is awesome in its own ways. We have the luxury of making it just right and telling stories in a more, in long form, in a more beautiful way. Um, And I just, I love helping editors and writers shape those stories, um, package them, and just, you know, landing on like the best ever headline that you're like, yep, nailed it. It's just so fun. And I think it's also collaborating with so many different people. Like, I love bouncing over to the design team and seeing what's on their big giant screen, where the layout is, and then all the different departments within Hearst. You know, we touch the circulation team, we touch, the events team, it's just, there's so many different arms and legs to this brand and it's really fun. It's really fun watching it and thinking and brainstorming and seeing it translate in all those different ways. What type of people do you wanna hire to be on your team? 
I like to hire, number one, kind, nice people. Remember the no drama thing. It's really important to me. I like good vibes on the team. I like people who are really passionate. I don't mind at all if you're like a little bit quirky. Um, I think that's pretty cool, actually. But as long as you you really care about this subject matter, like this is, you're gonna like stay till eight o'clock or 10 o'clock to get the story right. And not that I want my people staying that late, but somebody who's so meticulous and loves their work that much, that's what I'm looking for. How important is a resume to you? It's important. I definitely read them. And I wanna see at least a couple of examples that show they they have a true interest in what they're applying for. Um, I think in addition, whether it's a cover letter or like the email, knowing, seeing through that, that they took the time to research the brand slash me and they like know what they're doing. They use the, the correct name of the magazine. You know what I mean? You've seen it all, I'm sure. Oh yeah. Just somebody who like was thoughtful and put their best foot forward. Okay, so I've asked you a zillion questions about your job and your career. I want to know a little bit about Liz outside the office. So you mentioned you met your husband in college. How exactly did you meet your husband? So <laughs> Matt and I met on the very first day of college. We were in Latin 104 together. Met at 9 a.m. Latin 104 is Latin a freshman class? Yes. Wow. Go girl. Just doing it to complete my <laughs> language requirement. Really wish you I chose Latin? Taken Italian or something. No, I, I don't because say. I met Matt. Cool. I know. So, yes, so we met right right from the beginning. We did not start dating immediately. We were kind of like always in each other's universes and had like shared friend groups, but it was um, our junior year. We were both elected officers of our eating club. That's um, like a big thing at Princeton. Yeah. You guys eating, love your eating we clubs. We love our eating clubs. We were both in a club called Ivy and there were six officers elected and only the officers live in the house. So they're like these beautiful mansions, co-ed, and everyone goes and like does their homework there, eats their meals there, that's where the parties are. It's kind of like where your social life revolves. So once we were officers together, we just became like really good friends. So that's how I remember spending the second half of junior year. And then once we moved into the house, senior year, Matt was sort of like my protector because it was me and five men, five boys. I was the only girl. And he was just like so sweet. Like I remember he helped me move my mattress in and you know, he was just kind of like checking up on me, making sure I was okay. And so it, it evolved from a friendship to like I developed a giant, huge crush on him. So it's kind of funny that you lived together yes. in college technically, but then you moved to New York and you didn't. That's true. We were on different floors. I was on the second floor, he was on the third floor, but yeah, yeah, we were in very close proximity. Yeah, how often were you staying on your respective floors? I mean, <laughs> come on. <laughs> okay, and now you have three beautiful children. Tell me about them. Yeah, so um, we had Charlie and Lucy, our boy-girl twins, while we were in Chicago, uh, while Matt was doing his PhD. I like that you started it right off with twins. I, know. I think that's a good way to go. Yeah. You're not, you know, there's just one in there's there. There's just, just one, one in there. But there was a moment where I was like, you know what? It would be kind of cool to have twins and just like knock this right out. Yeah. I would love that. It is. It's pretty fun. Um, especially after you get through the first year. It's pretty fun. Yeah. And then, as I said, we moved back to New York when they were about 15 months old. And then we had George 
they are almost exactly four years apart. Charlie and Lucy are born on March 21, and George is born on March 25th. So we're just making it work. I love it. That's awesome. Okay, so you have three kids. You're a badass runner. You are an editor-in-chief of a very huge women's brand. You have a lot on your plate. Any advice for making it work however Gosh. best you can? I mean... Another loaded question, I know. Well, I feel like this notion of balance, it's, it's sort of this unrealistic thing that we're all striving toward. Um, and I think if you allow yourself to know that and believe that, then it takes some of the pressure off. Um, there are some work weeks where it's like work, 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 events every night, up early for more stuff, and I just don't really get to see my family very much. But then on the quieter weeks, I lean so far into my family and take advantage of that time. So I think it's kind of an ebb and a flow. And then I guess the other thing I'd say is pick a partner who's like an amazing support, and that's exactly what Matt is. I could never, I could never have this job without him. He completely picks up the slack on those weeks that are crazy, um, and he's just such an awesome, awesome dad in person. So, yeah, he's that like helps. the glue. He's the glue <laughs> of, the, of the household. And when do you get your workouts in? Very early in the morning. How early? Um, I set my alarm for five seventeen. Five seventeen. Yeah. Okay. I'm what obsessed is the with logic sevens. There? I'm okay. obsessed with sevens, and it's like a good luck thing. That would drive me crazy. It's weird. I cannot set my alarm for like an even number. Um, it has to be even like my follow-up alarms, my like snooze alarms. It's 517 then 523. Huh. What about if you're on a treadmill? Are you like weird about the speeds you're at and stuff? Or if you're finishing a run, are you like, oh, I'm at eight miles exactly, I'll stop? Or are you like, I want to be at 8.07 miles? Because like, I don't do, it doesn't okay. translate into, I want to be at eight miles. I will not okay. finish at 7.99, but I'm no, good. You take I a lap around the go, block. You take a lap around the <laughs> block, course. obviously. Yeah, so I will either um, meet a friend in Brooklyn and we'll do a loop of Prospect Park, or occasionally, when I can, I've been doing it less since this new job, I will um, run across the Manhattan Bridge after dropping Charlie and Lucy off at first grade and do the run mute, as we call it around here. And some mornings I go to SLT, some mornings I go to the YMCA a couple blocks from my apartment and do my own DIY lift session. But it's workout. morning or bust. Like, yeah, morning or it's probably not happening. I cannot think of a time I worked out after work. It just, I got to rush home to relieve the nanny or I want to get home before the kids are in bed. Okay, so I have to ask this because as I'm preparing for life with yeah. a child, I'm like, I need to ask all the really personal questions yeah. that I feel like I want to actually ask people. So when you get up and you go for your run at 517, or you're up at 517, and then you go for a run, are the kids still asleep and your husband's home? And so then you come home and like, they're awake and the day starts. How, what's, what's like the timing there? Yes, that's, that's exactly what I do. Okay. I time it so that I get back to the house, ideally right before they wake up and okay. I can like get their breakfast bowls out and like start prepping. Um, and Matt is of course home. I was gonna say, what if he's like, I wanna go for a run with you this morning? That's off the he, table. He is not a morning, he has zero <laughs> interest in setting his alarm for 517, like forget it. He um, really over the past year has gotten into running. Um, and so most mornings actually, he drops Charlie and Lucy off at school and he works in the financial district at the Fed. So he has his like awesome little runner's backpack. I know he's like super dada. 
and he drops him off at school and then he runs three miles across the bridge and then he showers at his office. So that's mostly his workout and then on the weekends he goes and lifts at the YMCA. Okay. All right, see, all That's these like tactical questions yeah. that I need to start asking people. Get ready for so many emails from me. I'm so ready. Bring <laughs> like, them all. How do you make this happen? It's my Where favorite thing shower? to talk about. <laughs> okay, are you training for anything right now? You know, I just yesterday decided to do the Brooklyn half. Yay! Are you doing That's it? That's so soon. No, I told myself I wouldn't this year. Yeah. And I told myself before I found out I was pregnant, but every year I'm like, I'm not gonna do it. And then it's like everyone's talking about it because it sells out so fast and I end up signing up. I had a rough year last year. Yeah. Like by the time the broken half came around, which was supposed to be my goal race, I mean, I think I made like nine bathroom stops during yeah. that race. And it's like, it was fine because I went into it knowing, knowing. that would happen. Yeah. So I just made the best of it and it wasn't a big deal. But after that, after last year, I was like, I'm not doing a goal race this year. I just, I don't want to have that. So I'm running the Jersey half, hopefully in a couple days. And that's like, <laughs> I admittedly didn't train for it. Like, don't do as I'm doing here. Yeah, just for the vibes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, I know my body. I know my body can go out and run a half marathon most days and I'll be fine. But yeah, no, I didn't want to run Brooklyn this year. So why did you decide to do it? You know, I have This is been... gonna make me, and I'm gonna end up signing up, aren't I? Yeah, exactly. Um, I have been doing eight mile runs once a week, just sort of by accident. I, so that's another, this is another mom hack. Do it with your mom girlfriends. Hopefully they're runners. It's the best way to catch up. It's like Will you be my mom girlfriend? Yes. I'll come to Brooklyn. It's the we'll best. We'll meet on the bridge. It's like so hard to find time to go out to dinner or meet up for drinks, but everyone's gotta get their run in. And so and plus the catch ups over a run, you know, it's way better than anything. So much better. I've I've cried on the run, I've like watched as my friend cried learned the deepest darkest secrets oh, yeah. in a good way like it's the most powerful bond i have is with my running friends um so anyway i think because we just like want to keep talking um my running friends and i have like been inching up and so we're regularly running like eight to nine miles right now and so i just had this moment of like i'm pretty much trained for the a half marathon you know i'll amp it up and do like a 10 and an 11 before the race but plus I just love that race. Yeah, well, it's your, it's close to you. It's too. so close to me. The start line, I can walk to. Oh, that's nice. And then I just take the F back from Coney Island and it drops me off on my corner, so. Okay, so that's like yeah. your local race. Yeah. That's pretty nice. For me, it's like a big deal. Yeah, it's, like a whole, it's an effort to get My over. husband drives me to the start at 5 a.m. Yeah. He's so nice. He's so He's really nice. nice. And then they go, he takes the dog out to Coney Island and they play on the beach until I get there, which last year took a really long time for me yeah. to get there. He's going to be the best dad. He's going to be a really good dad. Um, do you have a goal for that race? No, I mean, probably I'll set a secret one in my head beforehand. Cause... Okay, so why secret goal? Why secret and why not like, I'll I share don't... with the world? I hate doing that. I think it puts so much extra pressure on and I do enough of that with my secret for me only goal. Um, when I run marathons, I do this too. I have a like goal that I feel comfortable sharing with the world at large. And then I've got my like actual goal and then my like actual, actual reach goal. You know what I mean? Yeah. I have like tears of them, deep tears. Why though? Is hidden it, away in like my brain. Afraid people are gonna judge you if you don't hit your goal or is it like an inner thing? This is now a therapy session. I, it's turning into therapy. Sorry. No, it's don't <laughs> apologize. I think honestly, it's like, were I to share it with people and it was a public thing, it would just, it would add so much more pressure on a day that is already pretty 
high pressure if you're trying to run fast. Do you know what I mean? There's definitely, I mean, there's been a couple marathons where I, I, my public goal, I set it and I didn't reach it and like the world didn't end and my friends still like me. No one thought less yeah. of you, weird. <laughs> my friends still think I'm a nice person and like a good runner. Your kids didn't so. get taken away from you. Yeah, they didn't take my kids away from me. Okay, I think you should work on that. I think you should put your scary goals out there. What? Yes. All I'm saying is when Desi Linden came on the podcast a couple weeks ago, uh -huh. she said, I was like, listen, I don't know if you're like willing to talk about your goals. She's like, oh yeah. She's like, I want to win the Boston Marathon. And I and we talked about how like she's not afraid to put her goals out there because failure is part of the process and it's fine. And I mean, how'd that work out? She won the Boston Marathon. She won the Boston Marathon. So that was spectacular. Maybe if you admit that your goal is to win the Brooklyn Half, let's sprint to the finish. Okay. Now that we've talked about racing, I'm not. My goal is not to win the Brooklyn Half, though. But I'm saying if it no. is, <laughs> you should put it out there, and we will applaud you for it, whether it happens or not. It's going to be a great day. Yeah. And I wish you all the luck and just a happy day. Thanks. It's a great race. Thanks, Allie. Okay, let's sprint to that finish line okay. in Coney Island, so far away. Yes. What would your last meal on Earth be? <sighs> Cheeseburger and French fries. Favorite movie? Contact. Favorite TV show? Um, I'm really loving Silicon Valley right now. Biggest pet peeve? When I can hear people chewing. Favorite running song? Welcome to New York. Greatest fear? Something happening to my kids or husband. Where did you have your first real kiss? Like in life? Yes. Not with Matt, okay. Oh, you can do both, do both. In um, life first in the closet of the gymnasium. Nice, mm -hmm. and with Matt? And it was not with Matt, but with no, Matt. No, where was the Yeah, 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 um, on the backyard of Ivy. Aw, when you were younger, what did you want to be when you grew up? I was, I thought I was going to be a sports agent. That was my, I know. Okay, what was your actual first job? Well, my real first job was really in investment banking, but like, as a high schooler in the summers, um, I worked at basketball camps as a coach. What was the last thing you and your husband fought about? <sighs> this has been one of those weeks of a lot of work stuff, um, and my communication has been poor on what time I'll be getting home. So oh, you we're sound like my husband. <laughs> you sound like our Wednesday night. Yes. Cool. Yes. I made dinner and everything. Yes. If you could go for a run with anyone, who would it be? <sighs> my friend Rebecca, who was a, one of my Brooklyn mama friends. Uh, Rebecca Sen, she moved to New Jersey, and so we don't get to do our morning I mean, runs yay together. Jersey. I know, yay Jersey. I'm a big fan. Yeah. Um, I'll run with her. You should. Can she be my friend? Yeah. She's about to have a baby. Oh my gosh, best I friends. I know. You guys are going to love each other. Yay. Yeah. So she's actually not running right now. But, okay. So I would love to go on a long, nice long run and catch up with Rebecca. What always makes you laugh? My kids. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> they're so, they're just cute and fun and yeah, they make me laugh. Um, when people come to you for help, what do they usually want? Advice. What's one thing you can't run without? My Apple Watch. You're starting a run club. You have to pick five founding members. Who are they? My friend Brooke, my friend Jenny, Rebecca has to come back for it. Is this like a magical run club? Like yeah, I yeah, think, okay. totally. My little sister in Kansas City. I thought you were gonna say like Oprah, but I like uh, that answer too. Well, that's too. I'm basically saying that for number five, Kara Goucher. Oh yeah, that's yeah. Good. she would totally do it. She would love that. <laughs> Put her on the cover. She'll be all about it. Okay, and give everyone listening a reason to run today. Because you will feel stronger, clear-headed, confident, and more patient. Love it. 
thank you so much for giving me so much of your time and letting me pick your brain and just nerd out on publishing for an hour. I appreciate it. And this is the first time we met in real life. I know. It's awesome to meet you in real life. I feel like I've known you forever, and this was so much fun. We're going to have to bring you back, and we'll do like a whole hour of advice and you just giving career advice to people. So <laughs> I'd love that. I'll come back anytime. All right. Go crush it in Brooklyn. Thanks, Allie. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Alley on the Run show. I hope you learned something and laughed at least once. That's always a good goal, right? If you're loving what you're hearing, get even more Alley on the Run fun on Instagram and Twitter at Alley on the Run 1 and on the Alley on the Run Facebook page. And you know this already because I ask every week, but please consider taking a few moments today to leave a rating and review for the show on the podcast listening app of your choice. I know you're tired of me parroting this every week, but I swear it really does help me out. And if everyone who listens just goes ahead and leaves a rating and review, I promise I'm going to stop asking. Finally, let's give a little more love to this episode's sponsor, Aftershocks. Head over to ontherun.aftershocks.com to get $30 off your wireless headphone purchase. You are absolutely going to love them. Now go have a great day, go change the world, go spread some happiness, and thanks for joining me on the run.